0: Listener, production, Market. the S&P, the stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is, as we do every six months or so, drinking through an earnings fire hose. I'm the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer, Scott Phillips, and I'm joined by the Managing Director, CEO, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer of strawman.com, the strawman himself, Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Scott. I'm very good. Very, very busy at this time of year. Um, but a good oh, busy. Just it crazy. It's yeah. just madness. We had yesterday. So I mean, the Motley Fool's got a, a few services, obviously, but we had, I want to say upwards of 10 companies reporting across our services, and even the one I imagined, it was probably five or six. It was just a crazy, crazy day. Yeah. Um, and that's a small subset, right? You're, you're covering the whole universe <laughs> at Strawman. That's a lot of companies reporting in a, in a given day. It really it really is,
1: and it, just, it all comes generally. We get roundabout now and roundabout at the start of the year yeah. for the first half results. And <laughs> it's just sort of long periods of not much in yes. between. Yes, um, yes, yes. Which is a great thing. Which is really a great thing. I I think when you when there's no news is often good news. I think when it comes to the share market, Um, (laughs) can be. Yeah, but yeah, no. It's but but it's also it's also a really exciting time of year. I mean, this is when you get to sort of look under the hood and actually get your employees to tell you what the hell they're doing with your business, (laughs) which is which is really great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Hey, mate. Um, speaking of which, um. The earnings there is this kind of you know idea of earnings season and how we think about it. You and I have talked about I call it expectation season. It's you know a bit bit affected, but I do it for a reason. Confected I should say, bit, bit for a reason to remind people that you know profits go up, share price can still fall. Profit go down, share price can still go up. Um, you know, anything can happen um, based on not so much what the company did, but what the market expects the company to do. Mm. So first question, completely off the uh, this, I'm going to throw the uh, agenda out the window. When it comes to earning season... we're we'll Didn't even make it two minutes minute. before we got off agenda. Ah, tangent. <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's relevant, right? So what I wanted to talk to you about, or ask you about, I have a view and I'll, I'll give you mine, but when it comes to earnings season, it is, it's it is to your point, you know, we don't use good news for a while, then we get to see Under the Bonnet. I won't say Under the Hood because I'm not American like you. Um, <laughs> sorry, just, a just like a minute. Um, uh, the, the question, I suppose, is how much do we actually, how much should we how much attention should we pay to these numbers? We see share prices go all over the place, sometimes up 10%, 20%, other times down 20 or 30% on the back of one set of numbers. Magellan reported during the week, we're not going to cover that in detail, shares fell 10% in the fund manager on one half's results. And again, I, I, I kind of feel the need to always say, when shares fall 10%, that is 10% of the entire future value of the business. Mm. Investors are in theory, even if not in practice, marking down the value of Magellan by saying, the future from now to eternity is 10% less attractive than I thought it was yesterday. Mm. And I don't know that, it's almost never. I mean, it's for small companies who are, you know, clearly obviously changing track all of a sudden, doing something different. Yeah, okay, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's going to hell in a hand basket, okay, 30% falls, no, not, no big deal. If you're wiping a third of a company's value off, Entire value for the for the <laughs> the rest of the eternity because of one six month result that can be either real or overdone. But from from your perspective, mate, how do you think about those that, those six monthly numbers? Are they are they super important? Do you change your thesis? Do you change your view? Do you care? Do you not care? What are you looking for? Not not in individual you know P and lines, but how do you, how do you kind of put a, a six monthly number into an earnings th- or, sorry into a company thesis? How, how does that process work for you?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I, I think it's—I'll it, talk out both sides of my mouth. I think it's both massively important and at the same time not very important. So let me let I'm me try and explain that up. <laughs> let me try and explain it. <laughs> I think when you make an investment, or at least the way I make an investment, is I'm trying to sort of look out—you know—at least five, hopefully ten years, mm-hmm. and and try and get some kind of a sense of what that earnings future looks like. And I'm very much of the school of thought where it's better to be generally right as opposed to specifically wrong. So I've got this general sort of trajectory that I'm looking at. And Mm -hmm. so one year or one half isn't going to really make or or break that, but it's going to sort of Mm -hmm. give you an extra dot plot as it were to see, well, am, am am I more or less tracking to my expectations? If I'm not... Is that because of something that I might consider to be temporary, that I might consider to be fairly beyond the control of management and not a, not an indictment on the quality of the business itself? Um, or is yeah. it something really structural that, that changes? Sometimes when you see a, a yeah. profit result come out and, and, as you say, the shares drop 10%, it might actually be entirely valid because new information has come to light or something that will, will force you to reinterpret things where it's actually like may, maybe that's perfectly valid. Maybe, in fact, they should fall another 10%. Yes, not Not because it's just on on that one on that one number, but what that one number and perhaps the the language and narrative around that um, infers about the future. so it's mm-hmm. a it's a complex thing to to sort of unpick. But I think mm-hmm. I think you want to. I think you context is the is the key word here. Context, context, mm-hmm. context. What what do these numbers say in the context of my broader investment thesis? And and mm-hmm. and they can be sometimes very meaningful. Often, to your point, though, they're not, and there is a bit of an overreaction. And I yeah. I would actually argue sometimes that overreaction is is a great thing.
0: Yeah. That's that's kind of my, you know, particularly for larger businesses, smaller businesses, yeah, as you say, like if they're running on the smell of an oily rag already, they're probably burning cash or they're trying to break into a market. At some point, you're going to be like, oh, I thought this was kind of working and now it doesn't look like it is. And, mm. you know, it, you're entitled, not because the future is necessarily absolutely less bright, just because it adds more uncertainty to oh, hang on, well, if they're not doing this yet, they've got to A, get back on track, B, do it fast enough. There, there are reasons why businesses can and should fall by big amounts. Mm. But I... Well, I will say, for what it's worth, actually, this earnings season has seen less of that than the last two. Yeah. Remember August and February, August last year and February this year, we saw massive swings. We saw 30% movements, I want to say most days. That's probably an overreaction, but a couple of times a week at least. Yeah. In in decent companies that people actually know and in theory love, um, mostly falls, by the way. This Mm -hmm. time around, I saw some numbers early this week, so there's lots more numbers out now. But as of Monday or Tuesday, ComSec was saying that 30-something, 32, 38 of the ASX 200 had reported and the average, so 53% of those companies went up on the day. Obviously, 47 went down or roughly, assume that maybe that exactly zero, but probably not. Mm. Uh, that means the investors got it pretty right, at least in terms of their response to those earnings. Um, the company did what investors expected on average because half went up, half went down. The average is roughly flat. That's, again, averages don't work that way. Don't at me, people. Mm. Um, but, you know, so it seems like investors got this roughly right. There are, there just seem to be fewer large swings this time around. Somewhat strangely, Mike, given we've spent a year in COVID. I, I'm, I'm not. I don't have a firm view of what to make of that yet. Maybe as earnings season rolls on, we'll have more of a, a sense. Do you have any early sense of how you're sort of seeing that type of result?
1: No, not really. Um, I, I've got to be admit, I've I've still banked up a lot of work <laughs> that I've got to do. Here. <laughs> um, right. I've I've been I've been pretty distracted and busy with other stuff, so I haven't really got into no. it. But in terms of general themes, I, I don't know. <laughs> they they all. Uh, there may, there may be less volatility around the results, this one, mm. than, than, than more mm. recent ones. But yeah, to right. me, they're all of a similar kind of flavor. You know, there's there's always that initial reaction. I think what's fascinating mm. about it is that the, that reaction feeds on itself. So people will see a result come yeah. out and maybe the shares fall just a little bit on and then we go oh we yeah, said it, oh the, yeah. it's bad why does the market think it's bad maybe i should think it's bad and i'm going to sell and which makes the share price go down a bit further than yeah. other people go oh well i wasn't worried at 2% but now it's down 3% yeah. maybe i should you know so there is right, we, we right. are not we are not homo economicus you know this this rational um, hyper mm-hmm. hyper logical creature that sort of looks at everything yeah. in these Purely, mm-hmm. you know, future discounted cash flow. We we, we are very emotional, mm-hmm. um, and and yep. and that plays into it as well. So, and yeah. look, I have to I have to mention this one. ProMedicus was up fifteen percent yesterday um, on mm-hmm. already nosebleed valuations. Um, nosebleed and- is kind, mate. Yeah, nosebleed. Nose this is kind of like you need a, a pressure suit or something. I don't know. Rather... <laughs> that's right. We're halfway. We're... Oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This isn't to the moon. This is like we're on our way to Mars at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the price A, a thousand and s-
0: something probably is it? Is that what it's still I have not I oh. personally, but it was, it was a four-digit number at one point of its history at least, I think, from memory. Like the, the, um, the, the price earnings is near enough to
1: 200. The price to sales is 80. So, on right. a very, for, so for a company that's earning about- uh, 70 million dollars in sales it's it's trading mm. on multiple billions it's 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 just inc- it's incredible and was it a good result yeah it was a really great result another record result but you kind of think well kind of I was sort of <laughs> expecting it, needed it was already in the price at right? <laughs> least something like that to justify where it was so yeah um it's 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 all it's it yeah, it's all I think sometimes it's it's hard to find a very clear rational answer for why things have yeah, happened.
0: That's also true. Sometimes yeah. it's just because yeah.
1: this is what we're all doing and we're all just not that clever.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right and that's why so we've uh, one of the things about earnings season <laughs> we might get back to the agenda at some point, we may not. Um, one of the things I've been really mindful of over the last probably 12 18 months again because the market's been so volatile is both the Perception of success, in other words, I'm a genius because the share price has gone up, or uh, I, you know, so after the afterpay takeover, right? And I was like, oh, see, I was right. Square bought pay. and we said this before. Mm. If if Square ends up selling afterpay, like um, Microsoft did with Skype, sorry, eBay did with Skype for pennies on the dollar, then at some point it's gonna be like, oh no no, I just got lucky, yeah. and that's okay. Either is okay. I'm not bagging. Maybe and maybe our Square, you know, integrates afterpay, maybe it's successful, maybe it generates millions of dollars, and the afterpay shares got taken out too cheaply. But I guess my point is either of those things could be true mm. at the current price. Yeah. And yes, you get disc- shares taken off your hands. There is no, there is no and then. But whether or not you're getting off at a fair price, either way, too cheap or too expensive, is an open question because it hasn't played out yet. Mm. There is no, yeah. You know, yes, there's an end point in terms of how much you got. If your thesis was, I'm going to buy afterpay shares so that Square will buy it at 130 bucks. Then good luck to you. Your, your thesis played out. Mm. If not, your thesis hasn't played out. You just got lucky because there was a takeover. Yeah. And. For mine, so that that's you know, as the shares go up or down, as you said, Promedicus had a great day. Um, I, I will, as much as this pains me, mate, I will let you tell people uh, how how well yesterday's gain did relative <laughs> to your purchase price. Well, there's there's a thing called
1: a spiffy pop, which is a, a, a term that was coined by David Gardner, who's one of the Indeed. founders of the Fool, a, a fantastic investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a spiffy a spiffy pop is when a share increases. In value, in one day, by more than your cost base. So, if I bought a share for a dollar a share, and today mm-hmm. the shares went up by a dollar, so they might have gone from ten yep. to eleven dollars. That's a spiffy pop. It's awesome. a very, very rare and very um, uh, pleasing outcome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, and yeah. it's it's great. And it, so you had it, a spiffy pop, did you? I had a ten x spiffy pop. So wow. we've, 10 50 pops in a single day. That's so I bought amazing. I bought shares in multiple tranches in Prometicus years ago. One of them was at 86 cents. Uh, I think I bought some at 95. I bought some at $1.12. Um, but yesterday it went up 8.80 or so. So it went up eight <laughs> more than more than 10 times my purchase. Now, the the thing that will make you and I, I shed a quiet tear or two last night in contemplating this is that <laughs> if, Don't do the maths. You know, i I've, I've probably sold about 90% of the shares that I ever owned. I, right. If I didn't sell a single one, <laughs> I would be I would be in a much better position than I am now. In mothball but,
0: straw man and go to the Bahamas, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: It's a really good – I tweeted this out yesterday actually. It's
0: a really good reminder
1: of mm. not – look – you you always have to keep an eye on value, right? Like Charlie yeah, Munger always yeah. says, no company is worth yeah. an infinite amount. Is 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 yeah. a fantastic company? I regard it as one of the best. Um, is it worth infinity? Well, no, it's not. So by logic, you know, would say it's it's,
0: it's somewhere yeah. it's somewhere sort of below that. Um, <laughs> but oh, thanks, my- Scoop. Somewhere between uh, zero and infinity is that what you're yeah. telling me? Is that your valuation range? Okay, <laughs> good. <thanks>. But but <laughs> but when when you have a business that. Um, is entirely
1: self-funded. It hasn't issued any more shares. Not only is it incre- in, in, achieved incredible twenty percent consistent top-line growth for many, many, many years. Incredible operating leverage, um, uh, and and to to be self-funded. With, with paying a strong dividend and to achieve all of that growth. And in fact, buying a few mm. shares back along the way is a very, very, very rare thing. So it was a super, 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 super high quality business. Mm. Um, so you don't want to overthink it, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> at, at sa- but here's the other problem with it as well. There was also, here's me rationalizing why I did, uh, you know, the, I've, I've definitely done the wrong wrong thing with the benefit of hindsight, but here's me trying to rationalize <laughs> it. The thing is if I hadn't sort of sold some along the way like even even like you know 60% ago it was already like it would have been 70% of my portfolio and then yeah, 80% right. and you sort of like you right, you right. can't look at your portfolio today and go yes I would love I'm very comfortable having 90% of my money in one stock. <laughs> one, one stock with
0: 1000 PE, yeah. With 1000, you know, it's just at a point oh, you is,
1: think, yeah. "Oh man, I have really yeah. just a bit of yeah. prudent portfolio management." So that was that's my excuse. I wish I hadn't done it because it's
0: really cost me. But it's a it's good well, yeah, it's one of those things where you know you know do the right thing, but you wish you hadn't done the right thing because the numbers are uh, are uh-huh. remarkable. I do hold. I do hold a few. Uh, thank, thankfully,
1: um, and that's that's been really nice. But again, it's this. Here's the best problem of all problems on the share market: yeah, are, are right? a tax problem, um, <laughs> yeah, and also one of waiting because it just, despite my best efforts, it keeps selling it. Mm. It just keeps re- being a reasonable part of my portfolio just because of that that size improvement. But anyway, I don't know how we got onto this, but I, I do appreciate.
0: And I, 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 I was, uh, <laughs> I yeah, I. I I, uh, was it was taken from the start let's be honest I shouldn't have asked you uh, <laughs> no well done mate congratulations you know what some of these wins are few and far between so you take them when you can get them well done yeah
1: well I think, so think Michael it
0: yeah. while you got them as they say I think look the other thing I would say here as
1: well is that it is that there's, there's a lot of lessons to be, to be drawn from this I think for me it's another reminder that when it comes to this game that we're playing on, on, the, on the share market it's not really about buying low and selling high and being super clever with twelve monitors in front of yourself. It was just like back when I bought it years and years ago. It was still a, it was still a um, on the cusp of profitability, fast growing. So it had a big future. Yeah. And it's just a question if you if you're the kind of person. So many of us make a, that predicate our buy decisions on this idea that oh, this company is going to do X, Y, and Z and it's going to mm-hmm. be a much bigger company yeah. in the future. And yet, you know, six months later, we sell because the the share market spiked thirty percent or something. The, the gains in, oh, exactly. in it, it come from, and this is speaking of David Gardner, who's had incredible mm. results. This has been his secret. Mm. It has been time that has been his ally yes. there. Yes. So yes. it's it's not being clever and Wolf of Wall Street in and out trading. All the, it's just been buying some great companies and holding them for the long the long term. Um, and and the other thing with David's David's track record uh, exemplifies this as well. His strike rate isn't that great. I think he, what's he get four right. out of ten right or something like that. But, mm, but 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 you only need you only need a couple of Prometheuses yeah, to do right. insanely well no matter yeah. what the other ones do. So I guess that, yeah. that would be yeah. my my thing is is when you find something of very high quality, don't be too fussy. Be sure that you're on there for the journey. Don't don't try mm. and don't mm-hmm. try and lock in short term things. And be aware that you probably need to play these kinds of things in a basket approach, because not everything's gonna in fact most things aren't gonna work out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's gonna be the average that matters.
0: Mate, I was looking at a quick chart. Uh, Prometicus fell from $36 to 19 between August of ni- 2019 and April 2020. Most of that, by the way, people think, oh, it was COVID. It actually wasn't. So shares actually fell almost halved. Uh, the the, the kind of COVID bump of that was almost was almost nothing, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, it was already well and truly on the way down. In fact, I think it actually rose post-COVID. One of the few stocks that actually went up after the uh, after that sort of, you know, end of February kind of high. Um, maybe it dropped a little bit then went up again but it, it, it's fall was early and to your point if you looked at that and gone ah oh, show's over drop from 30 to 19 I'm on uh, 35 to 19 I'm out yeah. you missed the the triple from there or more than triple from there so it's it's a it's a really good reminder not only is it a theoretical reminder but it's often nice to be able to show say to people look I mean we can't do graphs on on audio but it's a reminder that if you have a look at that that chart Um, we say to you, don't panic. We say to you, it could fall. We say to you, these things happen. You've got to stay the course. These aren't theoretical things. Andrew literally did that. Uh, at the end of 2019, early 2020. That six-month period was, I don't know how it felt, mate, for you. Given the size of your portfolio, it probably felt painful. Um, but sticking with it has meant you not only recovered the loss, but, but you've doubled your shares again from that point. So I'll, it's a story. I'll,
1: I'll add to that. that. So this isn't a story that's unique of Pro pick We yes. talked about Afterpay before. Pick any of the massive winners and and yep. then, and then look at the, what they call the drawdowns, the top-to-bottom moves along the way you tend to have regular 30% plus drawdowns. So it's not unusual. Mm-hmm. I will correct you though. It yeah. actually got down to $15. And I say that oh, because, because I bought a bunch no. <laughs> of $15. But again, well done, this, well this is the value. I had no idea. I mean, honestly, I should have bought more because at, at, at the time I thought, <laughs> well, could it go to 10? Could it go to seven? All, yeah. all, all, exactly, all of that, exactly. you, you don't know. But-, yeah. but, yeah. but but it is a wonderful another mm-hmm. lesson here is just having a very firm and independent view on value that you can actually look at that and go the market yeah, is yeah. wrong here. Covid sucks. Yes, there's uncertainty. Yes, mm-hmm. things are a little bit overcooked. But this is a business with a phenomenal mm-hmm. future, and mm-hmm. I get to I get to buy it at fifteen um, yeah. dollars. Absolutely. So again, it 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 just it just repeats the same lessons again and again and again for me. So easy to say in hindsight and everyone nods their head, very difficult yeah. to do at the time. And those that, that have that emotional fortitude, <laughs> exactly. that's that's your advantage. That's where it comes. It's like Buffett says, it's not the high IQ, it's the high emotional quotient that, that, mm-hmm. that gets mm-hmm. you these returns.
0: Absolutely. Mate, Great 18 minutes in, should we go to the, the agenda? <laughs> I can keep <laughs> talk. I'm talking. i about pro <laughs> all day long. Oh, yeah, like I'd I love that. I, 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 I wish we had time, we just don't. I'm really sorry. Um, mate, it was funny, I, I got a, a, a tweet, uh, from from a, from a, I'll say a podcast fan, but someone who doesn't necessarily love my tweets during the week who said, you started the podcast by saying, we're not going to talk about Corona. 15 minutes in, you finally stopped talking about Corona. <laughs> so this time I'm not making such a promise. We have to mention it just in passing, only in the, well, specifically in the context of a couple of things. Um, it's, it's, it's a reminder that I sent a tweet out. My, my timing, mate, I am, I am the kiss of death. I sent a tweet out Monday morning, I think it was, saying that over the last two weeks, the market had hit new all-time highs, despite the fact that COVID cases were going up and all that kind of stuff. And if you were trying to time the market, you know, hitting new highs while COVID got worse in New South Wales and Australia in general, for example, um, you know, it, it, trying to market is stupidly difficult. That was my point. Anyway, being the kiss of death... The market's fallen almost constantly <laughs> since then. Um, and, it's, and it is partly because of COVID. COVID cases continue to increase in New South Wales as we record this. And frankly, I'm not even uh, scared of saying that because I think it will continue to increase, unfortunately, for a while to come. This is not the COVID show, but it is important to, to say that's part of what's going on macroeconomically and hurting share prices. The other, of course, is the absolute tragedy in Afghanistan. And we're not going to get into geopolitics here, at least not in any decent way. Um, but it's a, it, it's a kind of a, I said to you, it's kind of the return of uncertainty. The market, having kind of seen COVID go around once in 2020, hasn't been worried about this time, either the increase in outbreaks in Israel or America, particularly in some states like Florida or Australia. Uh, the US market was going higher. The Australian market was going higher. We'd kind of, I won't say priced it in, but got used to it. And to some degree, it's also a reminder, by the way, mate, that you know the market hates new stuff it's not sure what to do with. So the first time around, we all lost our collective stuff, I'll say, not not the other word, mm-hmm. Um and for a while, so we, we, didn't, I didn't sell, but you know people did, and freaked out. The market fell 38%. This time I was like, I don't know, we we kind of know how this plays out. That's okay, we're good, mm. and so we don't get the same degree of market falls. Yes, some companies hurt more than others. Yes, there are specific companies issues they need to be aware of, but it is what it is. Um, on the uh, at the same time though, what was at least theoretically unplanned and uncertain was the uh, dramatic march of the Taliban into Kabul. I'm not going to try and, again, give a geopolitical view. out There people, I was going to say, a bit more qualified than me. There are millions of people more qualified than me to have a view on that, except that it really did put the frighteners through the markets. And so we have seen, I think we saw the biggest fall in the ASX this week in two months. Again, it's only two months, right? 40 trading days. It's not a, not a big deal. We shouldn't freak out about it. I never do. Um, Any people who do shouldn't. It, but for all of that, uh, that said, it is a thing. Um, the, you know, the, the, the return of uncertainty, the concern about that. And again, I will say, uh, just to make a point, that for all things people were worried about, who <laughs> who, who last week on Thursday or Friday said, you know what I'm worried about? I'm selling because I'm worried that, that, that the Taliban are going to march into Kabul and send the markets down, mm. right? And so for everyone who thinks they know why they should sell and why they should buy, and again, as much as I'm, you know, timing the market or at all-time highs, trying to time the market on the way down on the basis of, oh, hey, this is why I'm going to sell, it's just, it's, it is crazy behaviour. So, I don't really have a broader point, mate, other than uncertainty remains It's now probably more than it was. Maybe the market should have always factored it in. Maybe it's overdoing it this time. Whichever way it ends up being, uh, just living with it is the, is the only option and frankly making your peace with it so you don't have to feel like you're whipsawed around either financially or emotionally. Probably just the right way to go, yeah? I think so. I mean my I, I this is something I always say but I, I think it's so
1: true. It, you'd be surprised at how many so supposedly qualified people um, the punditry out there in the media say these kinds of things. <laughs> they go, "Oh, it's a very very uncertain time." It's a what do they say? It's a risk it's a risk off period of risk time. Risk off, yes. I hate that term. <laughs> risk on and risk off. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, the karate kid, mate. Oh, just, old enough to remember the movie.
1: It's just, <laughs> yeah, this idea of oh, there's oh, there's a bit of uncertainty. I'm just going to wait until there's no uncertainty. Like you, yeah. you will be waiting forever because when this yeah. when this current set of uncertainty fades, you'll there'll be a replacement, mm-hmm. another one. The future is always unknowable, so it is. You have to make your peace with it. And and there's and it's a whole Donald Rumsfeld thing. Speaking of Afghanistan <laughs> and all that, you know, there's the known knowns and the unknown unknowns and all that. There's a there's a there's all the stuff that we think that we're aware of in terms of the risks that we're yeah. sort of worried yeah. about. But you, more often than not, it's the things that we're not worrying about that tend to come yeah. out of left field and, and throw you. So even if you feel as though you've got a really good read of, of, of the lay of the land... It'll probably be something that you haven't even thought about. That in three weeks' time, <laughs> that everyone it just becomes the most important thing and the only thing yeah. that everyone on the market is talking yeah,
0: about. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's
1: I guarantee right. you. I mean, I'm, don't, don't, I'm not saying through exactly, exactly, three, three weeks three later, weeks. It's
0: something else. So yeah, it, exactly. It, it, yeah, it'll yeah.
1: be it, I, it, whatever it is, and this is to me yeah. why it always comes back to. Just I, I know we're a sort of an investment podcast and a market podcast, but I just I just don't think about the market that often. I I, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right. I really
1: don't think about what you yeah. actually yeah. what is you own yeah. a part of a business, and you what you you can't know mm. what's going to be driving sentiment around that business, but you yeah. can at least have a hope to know that. Look, look at, look at oh, let's, just for fun of it, we'll speak about Prometecus. You know, it's got sixty million dollars in cash sitting in the bank account. So, sorry mate, you're, you're
0: breaking up. But we did the
1: <laughs> out, but I didn't hear what it was.
0: Well, but this, there's on, lots
1: of it. there's lots of examples. It doesn't have to be that one. It's just yeah. that this one's from no, mine. No. But go but you know, here's a business who who makes its makes its makes it's, 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 its bread and butter by doing mm-hmm. a, a service that is not going to go away, even under very difficult economic situations. It is not mm-hmm. a business that's going to struggle to pay the bills no matter what happens. Um, it is a business that will be around in five and ten years. So, that, they, does that mean it's, it doesn't suck when the share price falls because of unexplained reason, unexpected reason X? No. But you know that it's still going to be there, and in fact, you know that you've probably got an opportunity to, to load up. If you're holding something that is on the is clinging by its fingernails to to, you know, there is, it's facing existential threats because it can't yeah. it can't pay the piper, you know, whether yeah. it be his employees or its bankers or something like that. It mm-hmm. doesn't have any sales or any earnings, and you know, all. these are the kinds of businesses that people love at the top of a bear market and can for a while make you a lot of money. Yeah, that's right. But but yeah. for for you, market sentiment is everything because when you know when it goes away, there's there's actually nothing sort of fundamentally underpinning that. So ju- just yeah. have we talk about having the emotional fortitude? Well, you will have emotional fortitude when you own something that is very very high quality, and that that's yeah. what, that's for me is why it's always the beginning, middle, and end of of, of investing is focus on that, <laughs> and a lot of the other stuff just sort of looks after itself.
0: Yeah, I think that's right, mate. I think that's the – and that is the challenge. I think, you know, even – you mentioned about the market. I I will add just for what it's worth because we have a lot of listeners who seem to uh, invest in ETFs, which is great. Even if you're investing in ETFs, which is the market, trying to predict that it's still stupid. And and frankly, the market is still a collection of businesses. Rather than owning shares in a business, you own shares in 200 businesses or 500 businesses or whatever ETF you have. Um, And as long as you're doing a broad market index one, which is my favourite, not these um, theme ones generally speaking, um, as long as you've got a a broad market one – then again, you, you still even even if you could, oh well, even if you wanted to care about it, you couldn't know what the time was going to look like. So even if you do buy the market, own the market, you're hopefully still taking a long-term view. Hopefully you're still thinking about owning businesses, and frankly, hopefully you're still dollar-cost averaging in. If that if your approach is ETFs, mm. then you should be buying them every month at least, right? As you get paid, you put aside a small amount of your money, you put the money into the ETF. Sometimes the market's up, sometimes it's down. The very idea of dollar-cost averaging is just add anyway. Uh, and don't worry about where the market is or what it's doing. Trying to work out whether it'll be higher or lower in a month's time or two months' time. It goes up more than it goes down, as I've said many times before. Pulling money out, holding money out of the market, for me, is just a crazy thing because mathematically, mm. <laughs> the chances of being wrong are just, you know, it, it, it you know, muck goes up two years and three. Do you really want to take the odds against that? Do you really want to bet against the, the market? Mm. Um, hoping you might get, be right by a month or two or five or 10%. I don't know, mate. It's each their own, but, um, yeah, if, even if you are buying the market, I'd still be dollar cost averaging into it. Uh,
1: it's one of the it's one of the very very few free kicks you get in investing. You know, yeah, that's do
0: right. it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> do it exactly, mate. Um, so let's let's talk about something else for a second. We've had a couple of big bits of kind of <sighs> I don't know what to call it corporate news, corporate in, with a capital C. The kind of the idea of yeah, you know, takeovers, mergers, and acquisitions, all that kind of stuff. And a couple of things that maybe call are worth calling out. The first we'll start with is A2 Milk. Um, BHP is the second. We'll get to that in a second one in a minute. But that kind of had earnings wrapped up in it too. So we'll, we'll leave that one for the earnings bit. Uh, but A2 Milk jumped 12%. Now, I own shares for, the, for full disclosure. Um, jumped 12% on rumours and speculation that Nestle might be interested in buying the company. And it's kind of a, you know, it's one of those things where, you mentioned about share price. They kind of end up with a life of their own. This one ended up with a life of its own as well. Normally, you get one of those things where there's some speculation, rumours or whatever, and then maybe the AFR will, will kind of confirm there was some conversation or something. This was pure speculation, top to bottom. I've seen absolutely nothing from anybody to actually confirm this or give it any legs whatsoever. Um, no insiders being quoted, even if unnamed. Uh, no kind of, oh, yeah, you know, the AFR understands that. This is just literally, yeah, shares are up because people are speculating that Nestle might buy A2. Mm. And I just, I, I don't, I mean, who knows what happens next? By the time this goes to air, maybe there's been a bid. By the time, you know, a couple of weeks' time, maybe there's been a bid or maybe they never get a bid. I just, it's, it's a funny old world, mate, where, again, the, the sheer size of these moves, Mm. Um, on the basis of someone might possibly be, oh, if I was to say I would be interested in A2 Milk for what it's worth, but mm. that's a different thing. I can't, I can't make them do it. Do you have any thoughts on on this sort of speculation, the movements, all that kind of stuff? How should we think as A2 shareholders um, about this sort of thing?
1: I, I keep repeating myself, but it's, it's. I think you think the same way. So if if you're if you're going to play this from the angle of it could be a takeover. Well, you you have to think about what the the acquirer is thinking as well. And they would be thinking, ideally, what what you as a a prudent, sensible, level-headed, objective investor is thinking, i.e. that there is value at the current price. Now, there are different considerations with an acquirer because they can extract – "Quote unquote synergies," and they've got different strategic options, like Square and Afterpay. Like I've, I've, yes, as we've yeah, said, yeah, Afterpay yeah. is different under a Square ownership, so there's different considerations. Yes, but yes, yes, but yes. for you to sit there and sort of say, "I'm going to buy company X because I think it's got a takeover target," it's really just another mm. way of saying I think that there's really strong fundamental value there. Because without <laughs> without that, I mean, and these 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 other companies, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of dumb acquisitions yeah. that happen. But yeah. You know, yeah. There's a lot of very yeah. clever consultants and accountants and all that going through the numbers in data rooms to to really understand and, and looking, looking at the books nice. in far more detail than than most investors will. So that's so for you nice. to have that view, you, you kind of got to start with a view of, of value in the first place. I agree with you. I think yeah, that's fair. I think A2 Milk probably does make a lot of sense for someone like a, a Nestle. Would I be buying it purely mm-hmm. on that basis? Mm-hmm. Well, it would help. If I already thought that things were a stonking bargain, and that this was another sort of what they might call "quote unquote" flaw uh, in the yeah. in the share price, a bit of support that that might be there, but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be reading something
0: on 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 the press and then running out and buying shares on that basis alone. Yeah, that's I think, I think that's good advice, and also to you know, I don't know, a ten percent move. Uh, if it doesn't work, if it does work, uh, you know, it's one of those things. And as a shareholder, the other thing, mate, you, I think you made this point before. If, if A two gets taken at the current price, I look. I'll be happy to make some more money than it was worth yesterday. But I thought it was worth a bit more than that. It, it, one of those problems with takeover premiums right. is literally if you, you know, you got. I mean, particularly fund managers, you're, they've, they've got quarterly numbers, half yearly, yearly numbers. If you get ten percent in a day, you take it, you lock it, you go. Okay, call cool, the the asset. The fund's worth X more than it was because it's went up ten percent, and that's not unreasonable. Um, but as an investor, if I think A two was worth ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty dollars, and it gets taken out as a ten percent premium from six to six dollars sixty. Oh, whatever, the, whatever the numbers ended up being. Um, I don't, you know, it's, we've got to be careful what we wish for a little bit because mm. if it gets taken out, we feel good. Oh, look, look at that premium. Wow, look how more how much more rich I am. Like your Prometicus example, mate. Prometicus had been taken out at a twenty percent premium two years ago. Uh, you probably wouldn't have been happy on the day. I would have been happy on the day if I'd done it as well. Uh, but the the missed opportunity and afterpay, by the way, might have the same issue as you mentioned. Yeah, um, it's a big it's a big deal, right? Oh,
1: again, context. You know, oh wow, ten percent up is huge. Like, well. It's actually back to where where it was in July before this was even being sort of talked yeah, that's about
0: right. and you still know? and still about less still less than half of what it was at its peak
1: well, yeah, yep. you could have bought it at ten bucks yeah. at the start of the year, you know, and and That's that was right. that was down fifty percent on where it was in the year before. So it's a con- yeah. context yeah. kind of matters with with all of this stuff. I have to say, I've I've been in the situation a few times where a, a company I own has been taken over to a really nice premium, and it's mm. it's really it's really annoyed me actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, recent one was a tiny little cup. Co- don't don't bother looking it up because it's about to get taken over by yum brands. Um, but D- Dragon Tail, the little nice little data com- uh, mm. technology mm. company in the in the um, fast food area. I thought it yeah. was. I had a lot of upside, and then well, young, young brands thought the same, and, and they've now acquired it. So yeah, it's good. You yeah. get you get a, you get a nice little quick return. But if you're looking for that multi year, multi bag kind of potential, it sucks. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> like you know, it would it would be much better if in ten years time that thing had been comp- like done a ProMedic. Not that we're going to do right. a ProMedic, but you know what I mean. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, can, it can be it can be bittersweet. Motley full Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at full.com.au forward slash listener.
0: Mate, let's get into earnings season, but let's start with BHP and Woodside. Um, this is a fascinating deal. I'll try and do a, a bit of a summary of what's going on and then you can give me some, uh, cor- correct my errors and, and, and give us some thoughts. BHP is going to... Well, see, here's the thing. Let's start with the headline, right? BHP and Woodside to merge their oil and gas assets. Do you, know, you realise it's never a takeover anymore? Yeah. Nothing ever gets bought or acquired. Everything merges. <laughs> Is it, you know, I, I'm, su- I'm sure if I was a listed company, I sold my car, I'd be merging my car with someone else's garage interests. It's, <laughs> it's a remarkable, you know, it, it, the bloody language. It drives me nuts and... You know, we've yeah. talked about, about company candor and all that kind of crap. If your CEO is, is pretending this is a merger, I mean, really. Like, guys, you know, we're not stupid. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they hope we are. Or maybe, frankly, some people just aren't paying attention. The newspaper's reported as a merger because BHP called it a merger. And maybe they have to. I don't, I don't understand the details there in terms of what the journals are obliged to do. But this is not a merger. No. BHP is literally selling its <laughs> oil and gas assets to Woodside. It's what's yep. going on. Yep. BHP will have no assets. It will own nothing of the business that remains. There, there, there is no merger here. They have to. They have to. Right, here's my, here's my
1: theory. Yeah, yeah. BHP has to walk a very tough line because behind closed, mm. oh, I'm I'm speculating, um, mm, but let's have no. some fun. Oh, the, the behind closed doors, they're going except
0: don't just don't get a suit, okay? Speculate just, as much as you want to okay. get a suit, don't.
1: Well, they're going. We want out. We want out of oil and gas because these yeah. are going to be stranded assets. So they're, they're they're making yeah. very hard nosed, rational, economic sort of decisions here. Mm-hmm. But but for this deal to go ahead, well, BHP shareholders are going to get Woodside shares. And, yeah. and obviously you, you want to sell this thing at the best price you can. So you can't go out there. Just game theory it through for a second. You can't go out there and go, oh my God, we've got to get out of these things because it's like trying to sell your house and saying to, to all the buyers, oh man, there's white ants in this thing and you know <laughs> the, the neighbors are real buff head. And it's just, so you, yeah. you you need to dress it up. As you, you need to sort of say, we don't want it at the same time saying that what a great thing we are. That's really that valuable. It. That's yeah, right. it's really valuable. So that, that's 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 why maybe yeah. mergers are
0: more uh, palatable word. Probably, but, but everything's a merger. Like, what the dumping. Everything's a bloody – oh, yeah. anyway. So, so BHP is going to do something with its oil and gas assets. I'm going to call it – be bought by Woodside. They'll call it a merger. We'll do what we want. Um, but basically, as you rightly say, mate, the oil and gas assets become part of Woodside – BHP shareholders will get shares as a result mm. and apparently part of this is actually, to your point, is to avoid a change of control clause because if Woodside was to buy the assets outright, so if, yeah, if BHP's get cash, Woodside don't issue shares and it changes the, the control of the assets or something. I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, basically, <laughs> from from an investor's perspective, in theory, if the assets being sold are fairly valued, you will own some Woodside shares and some BHP shares which are roughly the same value as your current BHP shares when you add them together. So that's what's actually happening in terms of the, the the process here. You've already stolen a bit of my thunder, mate, because when you think about the why, here, mm. Mm. it's really really important, and there's some really big ramifications, and it changes the corporate landscape in a couple of ways. And there's a couple more examples we'll touch on. So BHP, so they already do it. They're already in joint ventures with Woodside for some of these assets, so they're kind of already, you know, bedfellows to some degree. There, they're also individually relatively small. So if you believe the, the rhetoric. This would make Woodside a top ten global oil and gas producer, which is worth something in terms of scale and bargaining power and mm. diversification. Speaking of which, mm. it also gives both BHP and Woodside shareholders. Well, no, <laughs> BHP ended up being more concentrated, but when you get the Woodside shares, um, Woodside itself is a more more diversified business with assets in more places. So you know, if you're Woodside, this is not the world's worst deal. Uh, as long as the assets are valued fairly, and as you say, mate, maybe that's part of the merger language. They both kind of agree that these are worth what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can take that or leave it. So that's that's the mechanics of the deal. When it comes to the why, BHP are kind of making these corporate noises about, you know, uh, Woodside being a better business with it and worth more and all that kind of stuff. And, and BHP Shells get the Woodside shares. So in theory, as a company... You're getting rid of it, but as an individual shareholder, your ownership actually doesn't really change that much. You kind of get a more diversified oil and gas business with your Woodside shares, um, but it kind of is what it is. So there's there's some there's some rationale that makes some sense. It is really 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 hard, though, despite the uh, protestations of the company, to look past the as you've already ta- talked about the fact that these are liquid fossil fuels. BHP has been one of the louder companies in the resources space on climate change action on net zero. Um, they've had some arguments with the Minerals Council in the past few years about exactly the position of the council and, and the position of BHP and how it, you know, what it communicates, how it communicates. Lots and lots of shareholder pressure. So there's the economic question of do I want to be in oil and gas for pure economics? There's the reputational question of do I want to be in it as, a, as, a, you know, as, a, as an entity? Do I want to be a business that is doing this moving forward because of what's going on socially? Um, so there's lots of stuff going on here, mate. It's really hard to avoid the, the feeling that BHP is just really, really happy to be out of the fossil fuel business and more than happy to say, good, this is now Woodside's problem. We're out. We can be, in air quotes, good corporate citizens because we're not in this anymore. That'll get the shareholders off our back, gets us off the back pages. This also being mentioned by the lobby groups. We can, we can then be a good corporate citizen and effectively continue along this, this path. Mm. And it's kind of... So, so there's that. I'll, I'll let you in a second. But of course, they, they, they are still selling the assets to somebody else. The assets don't, <laughs> don't cease to exist. It's shareholders get Woodside shares. Um, so there's, there's kind of a lot of pieces going on here. The last thing I'll mention, and I'll, then I'll let you kind of take take aim at any, any part of what I'm saying or anything else. The last part here is we're seeing in energy, AGL try and split itself up into a good business and a bad business, a green business and a brown business effectively. Mm. And it strikes me that Woodside and BHP, these these changes happen to these guys as well. And it's almost like if you're if you're Woodside and your core business is oil and gas, well, that's what you do. And you've signed up to be the air quotes bad guy for those who want bad guys to target. You're going to do oil and gas because the world needs oil and gas. Someone's going to do it and you're going to do it and you're going to just suck it up. If you're BHP and you've got the choice of being something else, you just choose not to be because you don't really want the grief. Like AGL basically split up its own assets. Um, there's not necessarily any value creation or, or or dilution. It's just just make it go away, right? Mm. AGL ongoing, BHP ongoing can say, we're clean, well, I don't know how green the rest of BHP's business is, but we're greener than we were. Get off our backs. We're not this anymore. And Woodside, a bit like, and this is a horrible analogy, plenty of Woodside shells won't love it, but like cigarette companies and others, they say, okay, we're well, cigarette companies. This is what we do. You're going to have to suck it up. If you don't like cigarettes, fine, sell our shares. But this is what we do. This is who we are. And we just, you know, it is what it is. We, we can't be anything else, so we're not. Your thoughts on any or all of that? Yeah, so there's, there's kind of two
1: separate things here. There's there's the one, there's the perception of it, and so this is the, the, the buzzword at the moment in markets is ESG, environmental, social, and governance, and so this yeah. is this is sort of the ethical angle, and it is a real angle. companies that that are that are that are green uh, command a bit of a premium than those that are dirty, just just because of sentiment, and it, we as we as society are prepared to pay less for one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh mm-hmm. whether whether that's for profit reasons or just because we don't like it, um that's up yeah. for debate. So there's there's there there is yeah. that. But I would also say, even if you would put that entirely to one side, there is also I think a very cold realization from BHP mm-hmm. that it's just mm-hmm. these are actually even if we're a private company, we don't have to worry about market sentiment. I just these are gonna be less profitable areas. And these potentially could be stranded assets down the down mm-hmm. the track. Yep. Um, yeah. Um so, so there's so there's two parts to that, and I think on both parts you're you're right. <laughs> I think it's very prudent to distance yourself. And here's the other thing: yeah. if you're gonna yeah. do it, right, when do you want to do this? Now, do you want to do you want to be too early or do you want to be too late? Let's <laughs> too late. say in ten. 15 years' time, choose your time frame, that it just becomes mm-hmm. just... Uh, the, uh, the overwhelming fact of the matter is is that these th- we, we've, we've, we've really gone further along the transition path and these assets are looking increasingly likely to, to be stranded. And you try and sell in that yeah. environment, <laughs> right? You're not going to get a very good price.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, look at, yeah. look
1: at BHP. Oil is at... Well, it was 40 bucks a barrel West Texas uh, last year. It's, it's closer to, mm-hmm. what, 70 bucks a barrel now. Oil's yeah. at a nice high price. People aren't as concerned as they are. They will likely be in another 10 years' yeah. time. I think it's genius. It shows great long-term thinking. It's like, we, yeah. we, no, people will say, oh yeah, but there's still plenty of money to be made in this sector until all of that happens. I think they're right. Mm. But, but I think that's probably going to come faster than a lot of us think. And I think in the meantime, the sentimental uh, uh, re- reality around that, uh, the perceptions mm. around that are going to deteriorate very quickly too. So I think... From a game theory perspective, you want to do it when markets are high, uh, when prices yeah. are high for your commodity, and before anyone else has done it, um, and you make the transition. Now, BHP has been around since 1885. It started out as a lead <laughs> and silver miner. It's had it's had a couple yeah. of huge pivots in its in its life, and it's in, in in all cases, it's really looked many years into the future. So so yeah yeah. I, don't know, I, think, I think they're absolutely doing the right thing. Like, I commend them for it. I'd much rather be in potash than I would be in, in oil and gas.
0: I That's a, a very strong view. I don't even necessarily disagree with that. I, I think it's a, it's a challenge for any business that's dealing with limited age assets, right? Because BHP's oil and gas business, we, you've said before, I've said before, although you're more strident on it, generally speaking, you know, mines are, are holes in the ground, but then you, you empty it out and you dig another hole. Mm. And to some degree, if you think, you know, I, I'm not so sure they needed to do it commercially. I, the reason I say that is because if, if they took a, for example, a wind down approach of oil and gas, and said, so we're not going to drill anymore, any more wells, but we'll use what we've got. If this takes 10, 15, 20 years to go away, I don't know how much life is left in most of those wells over that time period. So for all of the, from, from a purely commercial, and I, they know more than me, right? So I'll, I'll assume I'm wrong for the start, but I do wonder out loud, if there wasn't the social pressure, the reputational pressure, and you simply said purely commercially, the gas business or oil business is going to be tough in twenty-five years. But I don't know what the right number is. Um, if you've got a uh, some limited life assets, you're in an no obligation to keep doing it, right? You just simply say, okay, well, the Northwest Shelf is going to be, you know, we won't be able, we won't drill any more holes, but we'll use what we can access already, and that'll be worth X dollars to us, and on some sort of, you know. Um, just discount kind of a cash flow basis, you know. We've already dug the hole or drilled the hole. We can suck it out for the next 17 years. That's worth X. Now, maybe we'll Woodside's paying overs for it. Maybe it is absolutely mm. worth spinning off, even despite that concern. But I do wonder whether ESG concerns aside, and when I say ESG, I'll, I'll, I'll bifurcate that into real ESG concerns versus just purely reputational concerns. Right? Mm. Investors hate us. I don't want to be hated by the market. Ask, oh, screw it, just get rid of it. Mm. I do wonder how much because that's my, that's my concern generally speaking about companies. Professional CEOs and even fund managers to some degree, we, we talk about staying the course all the time, right? Not, not, not giving to the whims of the market. If you're a CEO, you can't be tempted like, hey, you know, it's not my money. Screw it. I can, this is probably worth $30 billion, but if I get $20 for it, who cares? The market's already valued at that. Let's just get rid of it. You know, if that was our asset, if you, if you and I owned BHP's oil and gas business now, maybe you might say, well, that's only worth $15 billion. We offered $20, let's get rid of it. Sure. Or you might say, you know what? You know, I, I, don't, I don't have to front the shareholders. I don't have to, you know, be the be the bad BHP CEO who's doing these bad things. I do wonder if we might just go, you know what, someone's going to drill it anyway, might as well be us. We'll, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll basically put it into into wind down mode would we not at least consider that
1: yeah i think we would i think we, you should absolutely but but it's also it's there's an opportunity cost with any capital allocation decision and That's and, and, and slaying the course is a, is a capital allocation decision so they yes. the, the calculus yes, yes. i imagine is that there's all the concerns that we spoke about and and the grief that yep. comes with that but it's also a matter of well if we can get this much for it from woodside <laughs> and we can take this and we can yeah. dig a big shaft in canada to to dig up potash <laughs> Maybe we'll get that's a bit, true. and so the economics. Yeah, the economics there is, I'm oh god, I'm god, so far out of my circle of confidence. It's not funny, <laughs> <laughs> but from what I've what I've You're read, a
0: potash is what I'm
1: hearing from today. Yeah, what I've what I've read, the <laughs> asset that they're they're looking to develop over in Canada will have a 100 year life. So here, it comes back to this idea again of BHP being yeah, long term right. thinkers. So not only yep. does it have an incredibly long life and they they have return on investment thresholds that are usually pretty high so in the case of this one I think it'll be early days 12 fifteen percent return or any money they mm. allocate towards it <laughs> but with potential to be much higher in the future because once they've they, they, once they they've dug this shaft extensions to that become much much cheaper so I just yep. I just think it's you make an excellent point and it's a very valid one. But I would I give, give management the benefit, benefit of the doubt. I think they're also probably looking at it very prudently and just sort of saying, "There's yeah. not that we couldn't make money just by running these things down, but we could probably make more money by taking what we have here and investing it into somewhere that's, that's not only probably got better economics, but it's got got a bit of a tailwind and a structural shift behind it.
0: So I'm, I'm uh, not not to not to argue for the sake of it, or, or even be smarter like for the sake of it. But uh, yeah, I will say just for for accuracy, they are spinning off these assets. So BHP as a business won't get any money from this. The shareholders get all the value out of the Woodside shares. So it's not so much a dollar Sorry. value read upon yeah, of right. current cash. Right. Yep. It, it, is, no, it is. No, it is to your point though, a, a future cash flow question. So you're right in the sense that future. You know they they wouldn't put it in or not. They don't. No one wants to put a business in runoff, right? It's just, it's, uh, most professional CEOs were allergic to it. Yeah. And so to your point, any money they would have spent drilling more holes is absolutely better spent elsewhere. So the current capital, just to, just to be clear for others, yeah, right, the you're current right. capital is, is not being paid in cash to BHP. I will say, mate, actually for what it's worth, this is the one thing I think both BHP now and West Farmers, when they flogged off coals, have done responsibly. Mm. It would have been so much easier to take cash. Maybe West Far- or maybe Woodside hasn't got the cash, to be fair. But if you were to find a trade buyer, take the cash and then redeploy that cash, building more empires, mm. every CEO is sitting there going, man, if I had $20 billion, what could I buy with that? Mm. And instead they've kind of gone, you know what? It doesn't work for a dozen reasons. We still think it's worth doing. We're not going to push it to build the empire. We're happy just to, to, to spin it off in one form or another. West Farmers did the same with coals, gave the coal shares and you guys go with it. Rather than saying, hey, we could sell this to a trade buyer, you know, line our pockets and then go and go and build more, build more castles. So I will give them yep, that that yep. credit for what it's worth. Yep, no let's, fair let's point. Let's move on. I okay. go. No let's fair move on point. Just to um, keep going. Uh, oh, so many companies in the news and we've got limited amounts of time, mate. Um, let me start with JB Hi-Fi, uh, and just some observation on that. Profit was up sixty seven percent last year, which is a phenomenal result. On one hand, <laughs> it's a funny old year when we're feel like, yeah, like, eh, that, that's that's about what I expected, or you know, that's an unreasonable number, and it's not. Um, that being said, I don't know if on Ju- July 1 last year or even maybe even January 1 this year, a, a an investor would look at that and go, you know what, I think JB Heifer will make 70% more profit from a retail operation year on year. It's just, uh, the, the, you know, again, when you even, even allowing for COVID, the sheer dollar value of growth there with a relatively mature business, already bought the good guys, there's not much market share being changing hands in this space at the moment. I just, it's just a phenomenally large number. Now, it is absolutely explained by COVID. I'm just saying that if you'd asked me to put a number on it, how much will JB's high fi, JB Hi-Fi's profit grow? I wouldn't have said 70%, would you?
1: No. <laughs> no. I mean, it's-, it's So that it, was- yeah. well, it's it's Well, sales obviously, what well, did they grow by 10 or 12% or something like that? And then, it's amazing, And
0: so the, le- the leverage in that was just oh. really wonderful, Yeah. The electricity stays on at the same price. The rents are the same price. The staff are roughly the same. Maybe you put on two more people to deal with the excess traffic. Other than that, everything just goes straight to the bottom line. Yep. Operating leverage is a wonderful thing. Yep. So there's that. The company did come out and say, this was roughly early this week, came out and said, oh, and by the way, sales so far in the current financial year are down 15%. And so it's worth just keeping those two numbers. It's almost one of those cognitive dissonance things, right? What is it? Isn't it a sign of intelligence to keep two opposing thoughts in mind at the same time? Is that what they say? Uh, anyway, that's that's um, the favourable way of looking at cognitive dissonance, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> there we go. So on one hand, gangbusters. On the other hand, oh, man. Like, you know, effectively, 6 dollars seven of last year's sales are coming back in the door. You're losing a dollar seven of sales from last year. The stores are, you know, in theory, you know, one less if you had – Seventy customers. You got, you got sixty instead. Um, you know, it's it's not, it's no small decline. In fact, it's a very bloody big decline. And it's just, I, I wanted to bring it up because I mean, look, the number's are already in the in the in the uh, in the tin. The market, the shares went up a little bit on the day, which is probably justified because of a really good result. But also a reminder that we've said this for, for months, and this is where sometimes it's worth coming back to what we talked about. Just to, <laughs> I, I'm not a victory lap kind. Of, you know this, mate. I You know, both, neither you nor I are really comfortable with taking victory laps, except I, except for Promedicus there is that um <laughs> drink there's a um but yeah there's, there's there's both both because we know we've been around long enough to know that you know around the next corner could come anything. Pride cometh before a fall, all that kind of stuff. Hell and frankly, yeah. no one wants to jinx anything. Yeah. Um, so I've, uh, you know, I, I think I said to you one one time previously, uh, Bruce, my boss and your former boss, um, I, I said something about our returns. Bruce said, like, well, some company. I said, oh, look, it's only, it's only short term. There's plenty of time to go yet. Mm-hmm. And Bruce quipped to the rest of the team that even Scott, uh, Scott thinks even Warren Buffett's a short-term investor. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I, I, there's, still, there's still plenty of stuff to play out in all of these things. But I, but I want to go back to what we said months ago because it's important, right? And we made the point then... And so, yes, I want people to believe we're credible and we know what we're talking about because that's important. Otherwise, we're just two blokes talking into microphones and there's truckloads of podcasts out there and not all of them, frankly, have you know people talking about what they actually know about. We said months ago, be, mi- be mindful of the pattern of retail sales in particular, but business in general and the way that the dollars will flow both then, now, as in right now, and in the future. Because... You know, JB Hi-Fi. Now they didn't—they didn't have you know that sales growth every single day of 365 days of last year. You only ever see an average number. But what we're seeing over the first six weeks of this year is, you know what? We're not buying as many TVs, computers, computer games, iPhones, whatever else they sell from JB Hi-Fi now as we were last year. And that's okay. That we should have expected that. We all went—you know, all of us, many of us—upgraded our home offices. We bought new laptops. We bought new stereos, TVs. You're not going to buy another one. You've already got the TV. You've already got the computer. You're not going to replace it every 12 months. So, of course, if we if we had a bump in sales last year, one off un, unexpected, those sales won't happen this time and sales are going to fall. Mm. And so, you know, the reason I say it is because A, we said it would happen. B, we want people to make sure they know it's going to happen. And C, when you think about any investing, you've got to look through the temporary slumps and the temporary bumps or jumps, depending on which way you want to do it. Mm. Um, you've got to look at the on underlying earnings power of these businesses over the long term. J.B. Hoefo is a wonderful business. Just because sales are down on last year doesn't mean the business sucks all of a sudden. It just means last year's sales were great. I've used the example of Black Horse before. They've had a really tough four or five years after the Daigu trade, the giant, the Chinese suitcase trade, went away. And yeah, that kind of sucked. Should they have knocked back the Chinese suitcase sales just because they didn't want to have a sales decline the following year? Of course, that'd be madness. If it's like, it's like, you know, me saying, well, if the boss offered me another, you know, four hundred grand to do my job, I'd, I'd knock it back because I don't want the year after that. I don't want to have a massive, you know, ninety percent decline in my in my earnings. Mm. You know, of course you wouldn't. I'd do that. And yet, for companies, sometimes we're like, oh, JB Hi-Fi, they haven't been able to keep up. You know, it's all. We've got to remember this is expected and normal and real. Mm. But also, there's no excuse to pay too much for these businesses. Mm. So last year, when you looked at JB Hi-Fi, you should have been saying to yourself, as we told you at the time. Make sure you look through these bumps in earnings to what the underlying earnings power is going to be. The same with businesses that suffered last year. Mm. The Sydney airports and transurbans and stuff, you know, people will go back to flying at some level. People will go back to driving at some level. I don't know what that level is, and I'm not saying it should be the same as last time. All I'm saying is don't use this year's sales and profits and say this is all Sydney airport's worth. Don't necessarily, by the way, assume it's going go back to normal, but that's the intellect you need to bring to the decision of how much to pay for some of these companies.
1: Yep. Um. I think the market was actually pretty sensible with it because we didn't we saw this huge jump in profit, but it's not as if shares jumped up massively, or mm-hmm. or when they said that the first quarter had been or first month had been down fifteen that it had fell away. So yeah, that's right. That's but right. it is, I mean, it, it is it is something that I I know we yeah. mentioned it before as well. It's sort of you look at this company, yeah. JB Hi-Fi has a wonderful history. They're they one of the best retailers mm-hmm. in in Australia. Yes. Um, and we knew that they were going to have a, an incredible profit result, and shares were trading on mm-hmm. a PE of 11. Right now, the market average, yeah. long term, is usually yeah. around sixteen or so, and in a very low interest yeah. rate environment, more late, more recently, that's actually been a mm. number that's been closer to twenty. So to see something that like trading at near enough close to half the market average for actually a high quality company was was a little bit unusual. But you've explained it. I mean, the, it actually we, we like to laugh about the market being irrational. Market is being perfectly uh, rational in that case. Because they know that next this current year that we're in now is not going to be nearly as good, and that things are valued on a forward basis. So it's actually the PE is actually about sixteen when you look at the forecast for next year's earnings. Um, That's important,
0: right? And And that's what we're saying: is don't look at JB and say eleven times earnings. I should fill my boots. I'm not saying don't buy it. I'm just saying remember that next year won't necessarily be as good. In fact, as you say, will probably be worse. Doesn't mean it's not worth buying. You should sell it, or it's overpriced or underpriced. Just means don't look at eleven times and say, "Oh man, when that goes to twenty times, I'm going to double my money." Yeah, because it's based on a different set of numbers.
1: I actually think there's there's uh, so I I I am naturally a little bit wary of retailers because of that reason. Because it is it's just yeah. well, it's a tough space and things can be very volatile. But it's also I know people who thrive in that space because you get this effect where when you do have a bad earnings number. Um, or a particular period, and again, might be, and often is, absolutely nothing to do with the operation of, of, of the business itself, just, just the current retail environment mm-hmm. it finds it, it, itself in. You you mm-hmm. get uh, the market prepared to pay a lower multiple of whatever the earnings result is. So you get lower earnings mm-hmm. and a lower multiple on that earnings. So the price can come back quite a way. Now, when that unwinds in both both elements that's quite a there's, there's there's potential for a bit of profit there so the earnings bounce back up because we all get into a spending mood again and we're all buying more laptops and etc mm-hmm. but then the multiple goes up as well so they, talk about leverage you get this leverage gain there which is really 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 nice so so on both sides, you've got to be careful. When when things are down and out for a retailer, that action can be, be a wonderful opportunity. And when things look like they're going really well, that might actually be an area of caution not to extrapolate that forward and expect those market multiples to be maintained. So anyway, it's it's just a, as we always say, it's just a matter of looking beyond the here and now and trying to cast your gaze more more towards the horizon.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, mate, did you said Domino's result. I actually haven't looked at it closely yet. No, tell me about it. it- it was – um, so I, I, before we do, I want to – so I, I'm not a Domino's shareholder. I have been in the past. It is a recommendation of mine. So take all that for, for as for what it's worth. Um, do you remember back at $40 when everyone was, was complaining about Don May, the, the CEO, and how the shares were worth less than that and all that kind of crap that was going on? We should mm-hmm. short the shares because of um, the franchise dramas. I just wanted to – again, it's worth putting some of this historical stuff in context because at the time, people were freaked out that the shorters were after Domino's. And the Dom May was somehow this terrible CEO and it was all going to go to pot, right? Mm. That was at $40. Now, the share price now, if I pull up the, the share price. While 100, I you out to you, $135, yeah. I beat you to it, yeah. So that's a tripling from the, the allegedly terrible things. Now, I'm not going to name names. Um, you may or may not know who, who the people were who were uh, bagging Domino's and Dom May at the time. Um, and look, sometimes the Shorters, sometimes the Negative Nancy's get it right. So, you know, do what you want with that information. A reminder that it went from 40 now to 135, a record close um, and a remarkable, remarkable story. Um, and the, again, I, I say it because I just want people to remember that these things aren't necessarily the uh, shortcases or fear-mongering, sometimes right, sometimes it's wrong. And if it's wrong, it can be really wrong. And again, you've kind of made the point with a company we won't mention again because you don't have to drink again <laughs> uh, earlier – but, um, but a reminder that these, you know, the downside for Domino's from $40 was 100%, right? Mm. That's a bad thing. No one wants to lose 100%. It was never going to happen, of course, but like maybe it halved, right? Maybe it went down by two, two thirds, three quarters. Instead, it's up 200%. Mm. It's now up th- three times the mm. previous price. Mm. So like for like, yes, you can be mindful. I'm not saying everyone should recklessly go into any stock because it could possibly go up 10x. That's a crazy thing to do. But if you've got a decent business doing well, just don't be scared out of it too quickly. So here's the numbers, mate, really quickly. Sales up 15%. Online sales up 21%. Profit up 27%. Earnings per share up 28%. Dividend up 45%. This is for a mob that makes pizza, right? Now, again, I will say, by the way, like JB Hi-Fi, that was a COVID year, right? I don't know about you, mate. We ate more Domino's pizza last year than the year before, I'm pretty sure. My young bloke's a bit of a fan. I'm can be partial to it from time to time, too. I'm not a pizza snob, unlike some people. Um, so, not even you, by the way, just in general. Some <laughs> people are like, Tom I'm not going to eat that stuff. I quite like it. I don't <laughs> care. Um, they opened 285 stores. So, this is where, you know, is it COVID partly? Yeah. 10% increase in store count, <laughs> which is just an amazing, amazing story. Um, 126 of those stores were in Japan. Uh, so, same store sales are up about 9%. So, you've got, you know, 9% growth in same store sales. You've got another 5 or so, 6% added by, um, by, by the new store openings. But it just it's just, again, I, it's a reminder that it is what it is, right? Now, Domino's said, yep, COVID's going to, not non-COVID or a post-COVID, hopefully, we all hope, is not going to be great, but it's going to keep opening more stores, it's going to keep adding more organic stores, it's going to keep buying stores. And it's one of those businesses that, you know, I, I sold this, I've said many times on the podcast to my chagrin, we went from $8 to $13. And I sold it at 13 because it looked a bit expensive, mm. which is your point about uh, Prometheus oh, and others. Um, same-store sales growth had dipped for a year from, my, from six to four or something. I was like, oh, it's getting expensive. Same-store sales growth is falling. Oh, I better sell this. See how smart I am? I booked a 60% profit. Now, I'm not going to do the maths because it scares me, but 8 to 130 is a very, very large number had I held on rather than selling. Now, we did recommend it again to our members at about 45 so I'm happy about that. We've made some money. I don't say that to brag. I say that largely to so- soothe my own ego uh, mm-hmm. and to make sure that our members know, uh, listeners know I'm not a complete idiot. I'm just sometimes an idiot. Um, that sometimes idiot cost us between 13 and 40 or 45, but at least we bought back in, at least our, our members did. So, uh, but mate, just, just a remark, like, for, again, you, know, you mentioned, you say retail's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Retail's actually really easy. So is making pizzas. But doing it well, yeah. that's the hard, bit. That's hard. I don't mean to contradict you, but like yeah. that, you know, anyway, I can open a shop, I can throw some stock in there and then three weeks later I'll go broke and I'll go back to my job and I'll go, yeah, that was a stupid idea. Because there's no barriers to entry for this stuff. How hard is it to bloody open a pizza shop? Mm. But doing it well over time consistently better than everybody else who would otherwise come and happily cut your lunch if you give them the chance, that's hard. Retail's cutthroat. Yeah. Fast food is cut- Man, you're competing with, with Macca's and, and KFC and Pizza Hut. I mean, that's you know these guys are global behemoths. Um, so Domino's, like, I just, it's a really, really impressive result uh, for a business that, I, and look, I'm not here to defend Domino's or its, its management, but given the grief they got, it's kind of, you know, I kind of feel almost like I should let, let them have a little bit of a, a time in the, in the audio sun um, just because they've done remarkably well.
1: Well, it was a great result for the year, but let let me uh, I was talking about context before. Here's here's some context for you. Let me lay mm. this down. Back in uh, 20 uh, 2011, they were making 30 cents a share. Uh, they're now making closer to $2.20 per share. And they've <laughs> paid uh, slide 24 in their results presentation shows mm. you this. It's mm. it's what you want to see. Bottom left, top right, beautiful nice even staircase. Yeah. It, yeah. it it looks like a SaaS company, <laughs> like you, yeah, you think of does. all of the, it all does. of the, everyone's been talking about for the last ten years has been, mm-hmm. you know, software and SaaS and technology and you know this yeah. new business model. These guys, <laughs> these guys do pizza. You know, their operating yeah. profit doubled in the last five years. If you had bought <laughs> shares right. in this ten years ago, your returns are twenty x, and that's before you factor yeah. in dividends. So it's of all, it's just, yeah. it's a really nice. Um, it's juxtaposed to to all the other mm-hmm. tech uh, success stories that are out there yeah, and just that That's right. Uh, if you were to just show the numbers you and say guess what kind of company this is given the margins mm-hmm. given the growth given you you, you, would, you would not guess a pizza shop. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And 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 not only not only that but they've had they've had incredible success uh, here at home but to go overseas and have mm-hmm. success there is not usually the Australian experience. Um, we sort of have feel as though we know what we're doing, and then we get into a much bigger, more competitive markets, and often come back with our tail between our legs. Not here, oh, um, even though even though things didn't roll out as smoothly as they initially hoped. There were a few teething problems. Do you know what it is for me, right. mate? It comes back to it comes back to incredibly strong management. And Don, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Don, Don knows what he's doing. Let's just say that much.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's that's very true. It's funny to you. So talk, talk about a spiffy pop, mate, being a, um, a, a, a you know, making a day. Uh, what you your cost base was. Um, there's there's another one called a divvy pop, which isn't hasn't quite caught on and it hasn't quite got there for Domino's yet. At least not on the ten year chart. But ten years ago, these shares were trading for two dollars thirty nine a piece. And so, if you go from there to a dividend of one hundred and seventy-three or five cents each, so dollar seventy-five, you're almost getting in, a year, in dividends alone what you paid for the wow. stock. Now, you know, yeah. we shouldn't. I'm not a big fan of dividend running yields because you've got to sell it more something else in, in some cases. So, you know, you shouldn't hold on to stuff just because of that. But you've got you got massive capital growth anyway. But as you say, the dividends are almost paying almost paying for the shares every single year, which is a, which is a hell of a thing.
1: and again, you know what? It comes back again to like whenever you want to talk about success as investors it's you, you just mm. don't hear about the the person who who made 20% yeah. on dominoes last year you you mm-hmm. know the, the person who bought a significant stake 10 years ago and popped them in the bottom drawer they're the heroes yeah. right that and and you know what yeah. they've done nothing <laughs> they made one decision 10 years ago and yeah. and look at the returns versus some some tryhard wannabe, you know, with his with his billion one indicators and four thousand spreadsheets, trying to sort of, you know, get an extra little bit of yeah, exactly. half a percent of alpha out of the market each year. It just sort of, to me, yeah. it, it just always brings it back into perspective. Here, I know point, I, I, it? it's it, you're fond of saying it, and I steal it relentlessly. Is this idea of being slow to buy and slower to sell? Um, yeah. You know, it's it's. That is where these incredible returns just come from. So just look – no one that you're competing with, investment bankers, algorithmic traders – fund managers, proprietary trading desks, family offices, <laughs> all of the big guns out there. No, yeah, very yeah. few of them are operating on that time That—that That is your edge. Yeah. That is your massive edge if, if you're the kind of person who can look at that. And these are the kind of returns that, that, you're, that you're, you have on offer. Even if you get most of your choices wrong, a few of these just mm, mm. life-changing, life-changing. And, Man, and, 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 know. and, 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 because there's so much more to say. What we said before, look at the dra- look at the drawdowns, right? Along the way, you, you, you're talking, yes, yes, it's yes. easier to sort of say, oh, you made 20 times yep. your money over 10 years. This yep. thing, I mean, yep. this thing dropped in 20, just recently went from 110 down to $85. The percentage drop is huge. Yep. 92, yep. I'm just on the chart here, back to $70 back in late 2020. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's mm-hmm. all, so there's been some massive percentage drops just in the last one year, let
0: alone in the last 10 yep. years. So... Uh well done! If you're holding Dominoes, well done. Yeah, you've done well. Yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, it, it, big falls, big rises, all that kind of stuff. And it's been a long time. And it so it hit sixty-two bucks, sixty-three bucks in mid twenty-sixteen, and by the middle of twenty-nineteen, it was thirty-three dollars. You spent so this is important, right? You spent three years, best part of three years, and you lost over that period of time about half your money. Oh, it's brutal. Now, if you're sitting through that, you're like, and so we get this all, all the time, you know, oh, Domino's shares aren't going there. Should I buy it something something's going to go up? You know, all versions of that, We don't, but not about Domino's necessarily, but we get lots of questions about that idea generally. A very, right? very, oh, very, very natural
1: question. Very natural question. Shares
0: are yeah. disappointing. The market doesn't like it. Oh, it's really painful. They're still down. They're still down. I bought them at 30 and now they're back to my cost base. Mm. I've wasted three years of compounding. What the hell am I doing? Yeah. Now, some companies will keep going down, by the way. So I'm not saying, again, we always say, don't, don't assume that you can extrapolate. Don't assume that you shouldn't extrapolate or at least that the, the opposite can't happen. Just generally, that you know, the fact that Domino's was, went from 60 to 30 mm. and back to the, the point made before, that's the market's view, not the company operations, mm. right? Mm. Over that period of time, I'm going to pull it really, really quickly. Um, earnings grew almost every year through that period with one exception. Yeah. It fell between 2018 and 2019. Mm. Grew every year through there. And so, you know, it, maybe the shares are overpriced now. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're cheap then. Maybe they're not. But over time, there was no reason at all to sell those shares between 2016 and 2019, right? i am mm. just going to. This is audio, right? But just, just stick with me. Sales per share. I'm going to check the shares outstanding. Haven't grown much. they have grown a little bit, uh, and they've contracted a little bit, but kind of roughly flat, right, since 2014. Yeah. So here's sales per share, just, just for, just for, again, it's audio, but, but stick with me, listeners. Six dollars thirty-eight then $7.36, then $10.21, then $11.70, then $12.90, $16.70, $22.10, $25.30. Now, sales aren't enough. You, know, um, you, know, you need to turn that into profits, and profits are a bit more volatile than that. But this is a business that has just continued to find more and more and more ways to sell this product. Earnings have grown. They Again, they had a bit of a dip, as I said, in, in one year. Um, but every other year, literally since 2013, they've grown. Uh, Now, again, I'm not saying it justifies the current price. What I am saying is it spent three years halving for, frankly, in my view, mate, no good reason at all. Mm. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's people who say, well, it should have fallen for X, Y, Z reasons. I think it's largely a sentiment question rather than anything else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that's the other point that needs to be made here is that it just, it seems so easy, doesn't it, in hindsight, but... I mean, three years, six months, six months of the market telling you you're an idiot and rubbing your face, you're rubbing your nose in it is very hard, particularly when everything else might be going up as well. So it's just, it it is, it is very, very hard. But that is why fortune favors the brave, Mm -hmm. frankly. Um, And or or chance favors the prepared mind might be the better saying to to use there. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, look. I guess that's the that's the question on everyone's lips now. Is like, would you buy today? Well, look, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a P of sixty now. It's a much larger business. You know, they'll have they they won't have the COVID wind at their back perhaps next time round. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, right. Right. maybe it maybe it is on the on the higher side of things at oh, this yeah, point yeah, in time. Totally.
0: Um, yeah, that's what we are making for sure. But
1: but but also, I would say is that as mm. we've also mm. shown that 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 will change for various reasons. Um, is, is yep. lo- and that is why it's it's always the the longer term perspective you need to take and look through the noise because that
0: yeah <laughs> we're just repeating ourselves. That's where the mo- that's where the money we is. Are. But that that and, but that's the lesson, of decision, right? Like we've spent very little time talking about. JB Hi-Fi sale of computers, or whether Domino's Hawaiian pizza are good enough, or how many stores they've got—like it's kind of mm. the, the bigger picture is actually where it's at. I think for my, um, t- to my view, I actually had earnings season at the very beginning. The, the the biggest takeaway for me is: are they getting it roughly right? You talk about roughly right rather mm. than precisely wrong. I think that's mm. valuation, but it's also business in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is, is Domino's kind of on the right track, doing the right things? Yes. Is JB Hi-Fi? Yes. I don't know either, but I, I recommended Domino's as I said. Um, if there's enough opportunity left for these guys to keep growing, and even if there's not, let's say there's not, let's say that this is actually the top of Domino's. I'm not saying necessarily the only time to of buyers now. If you bought any time over the last 10 years, let's say the shares settled at 100 bucks, mm-hmm. right? You'd be pretty unhappy going from 130 to 100. Okay, that's, that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But if you've bought almost any time, let me quickly pull up the chart. Well, we've got to finish off, mate, but um, let me pull up the chart of Domino's for a second. If you bought it any time up, let's say it settles at 100 bucks, let's say it stays there, never goes higher than 100 bucks. That takes you back to. May May <laughs> of this year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Compared to the previous 10 years where you made money. Now, again, if, if you knew it was going to get 100, of course you would sell now, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm just working the hypothetical here. My point is that avoiding dominoes at 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 on the way to 130, because maybe sales fall, maybe, you know, these maybes can be really, really expensive. And so, you're not going to get the valuation right all the time. You're never going to pick the top. You're never going to pick the bottom. But if you can find a business that's going to grow over time decently, then that's kind of your story, right? if it can compound for years at a decent rate, that's the story. Yeah. And so, I think that's, you know, as you said, slow to buy, slow, slower to sell, I think is absolutely the right approach. Mm. Buying compounding businesses that have good runways is the right approach and good management, mm. you know, and, and you've got to just sometimes tuck them away. Yeah, three years we spent losing money on that. And if we've done if we've done a yearly review on Domino's, when well, we had it as a recommendation, we didn't have it during that period of time. But let's say we did, um, we'd be like, "Oh, seventy now. came okay, out it's sixty. Oh, I fell ten percent this year. Next year, fell ten percent. Oh man, that's high. next year, fell ten percent. Oh man, you know what? what why, why the hell would we have this in the portfolio? The answer would be because, you know, easy to say in hindsight, but we believe during that period of time. I said we didn't own it, but but hypothetically, during that period of time, there's an opportunity there to say, "Hey, this is going to be a business that is worth owning." And by the way, I should say it also fell even this year from one hundred and ten. Back to eighty five. Mm. Mm. You know, so it wasn't just the two thousand sixteen to 2019 three years of drag. It was in the space of like a month and a half. Yeah, it lost twenty five percent of its value, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. So those things are those things are important. Mate, we've gone well over time. I want to make the point just at the end because we haven't talked a lot about specific details of what do we think about this this mine in this area or this product line in this in this retailer or because it's not you know that's not going to make a difference. Uh, it is the big picture story of. The, the important things that matter, the, the management team, the momentum of the business, not the share price but the business, um, the market opportunity for the business, these things tend to go really well. And that, that's, that, to me, at least, is the important thing. Yep, yep. It's the same lesson. Gets reiterated every time. It does. Mate, I am doing a brand new podcast. Oh, tell me about it. Well, I can't quite yet. Oh. That's the bad news. But the good news is it is, it is actually available. So if I couldn't if I couldn't mention it, but I could mention that if you searched under my name, you might find it. I think I'm allowed to say that.
1: What? Why so cryptic? Is there is there networking? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I have
0: to. I was <laughs> I was going to say. I thought you know I probably should check it with listener first. We're doing a second podcast in consultation with listener. Um, I will be telling you much much more about it. If not this Sunday, certainly this next week. So do keep your eyes and ears peeled for this one. I think you want to. I think you want to have a listen. I think it's. Uh, it's well worth uh, – well uh, yeah, it's worth a listen, put it that way. Uh, interesting first couple of guests already lined up. It's going to be an interview-based podcast, mate. We're going to be talking to people in business uh, and also experts around the area of economics and finance. So cool. economists, property experts, CEOs, all that kind of stuff. Going to be heaps of fun. Um, so if you enjoyed – we've had a couple of those bonus episodes earlier in the Motley Fool Money podcast feed, maybe a year or a half or so ago – uh, and we kind of thought, well, people were asking for more of it. We haven't had a chance to put it in and we're already doing three podcast episodes a week in this feed. So a brand new podcast coming up. Stay tuned. In the meantime, subscribe to this one because you don't want to miss the next one. That's where you'll find out about it. So do subscribe, if you wouldn't mind, to the Motley for Money podcast. Uh, do it through your favourite podcast app or download the listener app and listen for free, as we always say. In the meantime, you come back on Sunday for me, mate? Absolutely. Beautiful. That's it then for today's Motley Fool Money. We'll see you on Sunday with another dose of Foolish Insight. Fool on. See you later. The Motley Fool and
1: people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services License 400691. Listener.